there was a defining moment where I ran into Daryl Singletary on a vacation. And, you know, when somebody you've looked up to your entire life as one of your biggest musical influences looks you up and down and says, what in the hell are you doing? It makes you second guess everything. And so that meantime, I'd really start to find out about Texas and I found out about Cody Johnson and I just, I realized there were people out there doing the kind of music I wanted to do and they were being successful doing it. So that was kind of the moment when I was like, it's time to get back to my room. The intersection of good drinks, good music, and good times. This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Joining us here for our conversation this week, he's a country artist, songwriter. He's got a brand new single out, Win and Rum. Welcome in, David Adam Burns. Hey, what's going on, my man? Not much, not much. And I said it right now, I panicked because after all that talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, nailed it. Perfection. Okay. I was like, it's so simple. I screwed it up. But and and you said you've had people mess up this name because I don't feel like it's that that difficult. Oh man, on stage on marquees. I mean, my favorite thing as a kid was to rush to the phone when the telemarketers would call to see if they were even remotely close. So. <laughs> well, and you know, I'm curious too. This is bar conversations. Um, you got anything good tonight? And if not. If you're behaving yourself, because it is hot everywhere uh, here, it seems. Uh, what's your go-to drink? I uh, yeah, I'm definitely doing the the water in the old Yeti because it is 106 degrees right now at 7:30 o'clock at night. So, uh, but man, I'm a Jack Daniels is my my, my go-to uh, in the summer. I've become fond of Moscow Mules, and then uh, for cold beers, man, I'm all about them yellow bellies and you know Coors Banquet. So. I like it. So, so do you when when Mother Nature cooperates and lets you have something a little stronger? Um, is it bourbon and whiskeys? I mean, you do have a song called Win and Rum. So, I mean, are you having a little bit of each? You know, there's not really a drink I'll turn down. I'll have a little bit of it all. But yeah, I mean, whiskey's definitely the, the favorite. You know, I've I've had every type of you know expensive bourbon and all that. I mean, I'm getting married here in a couple of months, and I asked for Gentleman Jack because it was a special occasion. So. <laughs> But you're you're high class. I, I tell you, man. So so for this one, I went a little Texas, a little Millum and Green. Yeah, man, I've had that too. That's good stuff. So I had to have a little, a little something for that. I'm I'm definitely right now with as hot as it is. Yeah, we we went out to the farm, one of our friends' farms, and yeah, there was no heavy liquor. That seemed like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, it's you know we're still stupid and we do it, but uh, <laughs> you just gotta make sure you put that water in there somewhere. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I saw this debate on your uh, uh, Facebook or Instagram the other day. Um, I don't know if you ever chimed in because I, I saw you pose the question, uh, Velveeta shells or Kraft for some mac and cheese? Uh, man, it's totally shells, and my fiance will not eat them. And I literally, if we have mac and cheese, I have to make what she wants and what I want, or I just eat what she wants. And I'm like, what is? I didn't even think there. I was surprised how many people actually liked the craft. I, I was like, I, I am not a fan. And, you know, her excuse is the whole. You're just eating that processed cheese. I'm like, the cheese you're eating is a powder until you put it in it. Like, what is any better about that? So, yeah, I, uh, I, I will say though, I saw a lot of people saying homemade on there, and I was like, yeah, touche, touche on that one. But you know, for the sake of the say, quick of dinner conversation, <laughs> I, you know, that's not bad, but. With a four-year-old, crafts a little pretty easy, but we do. My wife does make a very nice homemade mac and cheese. 
Well, see, that that's my thought there. I was like, you know, when you're a little, little kid and your mom doesn't want to put any time or effort into it, yeah, craft sounds good. But, I mean, even me with the, the other, man, I'm adding extra cheeses and other stuff. You know, it's not like just here's the package put in, but I, I don't know. Apparently, I'm doing it wrong. Or or everyone else is. Who, who knows? See, then, then there's that. And then there's that. And. I also, you know, speaking of that, I, I think you've been putting in some work too down there on your ranch and getting it all fixed up for 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 life. Is that right? Yeah, you know, we moved out here back in March, and so uh, there's been a lot of learning. You know, I grew up on land, but I didn't grow up on a ranch with cattle on it. So it's uh, it's been a learning experience, but uh, I, I guess I'm earning that 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 cowboy reputation after all. So you're you're living the life, right? <laughs> Something like that. You know, I'm, I'm learning pretty quickly. Uh, whatever the lady wants, you just got to learn how to deal with. So here we are. But no, it's, it's fun. Hence it's a good craft. getaway from music. <laughs> but see, see. But no, it's, you know, music has been 24-7, 100% of my life, you know. And so it's, it's good to have something to kind of have an escape and get away from it that isn't drinking and doing other you know, things that are bad for me. At least I'm out here being active and getting in shape and just doing something that I can uh, look at the future and see an actual – something positive come from, I guess. Well, and, and you mentioned, you know, having animals out there. So what all have you put out on the ranch so far? Well, you know, like I said, her family does longhorn. And so that was the ultimate goal was to get longhorn out here. But, uh, she wants a chicken coop and all the other stuff. I, so far I hadn't heard of goats. So I think I'm safe there, but, uh, all of a sudden I showed up home off the road and we had two new barn cats that I didn't know we needed. So, uh, I don't know. It's it's starting to go towards zoo status. If we keep adding too many more. Well, I mean, the chicken coop though makes sense. I mean, egg prices got pretty high there for a while. You know, I'm all for the eggs. I'm not for the what the eggs bring, which are snakes. I'm not a snake fan. I hate snakes. I don't want to be around them. And so, uh, yeah, that that's the part there. I'm like, I ain't going in that that coop. That's going to be your job. You want it, you deal with it. Because I ain't doing that. Well, it sounds as you keep adding animals, then you got to, you know, maybe get some dogs to protect the other animals. You you will have a zoo soon. Well, we do have, the, you know, we got the dog and the two inside cats that both came with the relationship. But uh, the dog, you know, they've all become my buddy over time. I, I wasn't a cat person before we started dating, but I've learned to love these two cats. But Cash, my little buddy, in fact, he's over there pouting there because he, he can't come be a part of this right now. So. <laughs> Hey, I have had a few animals make uh, an appearance, so it is quite all right if he does. <laughs> I, if he doesn't pop in here by the end of this, it will be a miracle. So, well, and, and like you, like I said, your fiance, you know, congrats on the upcoming uh, nuptials and, and so forth. And clearly, you've gotten some good advice because you, you're, you know, happy wife, happy life. Any other interesting advice that you've received along the way? I, you know, pick your battles. I, I guess that's probably the biggest one. But no, I. Uh, you know, I grew up in kind of an old-fashioned home. You know, my parents are old enough to really be my grandparents, if we're being completely honest. And so uh, I was just kind of raised by that old generation of you figure it out and you work through things. And so that's that's where we're at. You know, obviously, we've been together for a few years now to be getting married. But I know there will be things that come along through life and batter up. We'll take a swing, see how it goes when they come. Like a couple extra cats at the house <laughs> or the <Yeah>. barn. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hey, as long as I, I told her, I said, you can get as many barn cats as you want as long as they ain't in this dang house. <laughs> yeah, one of my least favorite things to ever do was clean the litter box. And yeah, no, no, no that, that's the one thing of whenever she gets pregnant, she's like, you know, you got to do that. And I'm like, the heck I am. I, I don't touch. Uh -uh, nope. 
The dog goes outside. We got all this acreage for him to do his business. I ain't touching that cat crap. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you mentioned you know your your mom and dad. Where does your your love of music uh, come from? You know, I my dad always had country music on in the mornings, a local station, and I would flip over to TNN, but. I, it was just all I ever really knew, you know. They took me to see George Strait when I was three, and at three years old, I was like, I want to be like him. And so, you know, obviously the, the goal was to be like George, and that's where it mainly came from. But now that I'm older and I look back, I mean, country music was always such a big part of our household, especially with my dad. So I'm sure it's a, a smorgasbord of all that. <laughs> when you grew up in Arkansas, what, what impact did that, that have on you, whether it was personally or musically or both? All of it. Uh, you know, like I said, growing up in a, you know, it's like being raised by your grandparents. So I was kind of taught more old school values. And, you know, even in Arkansas, you know, we had a legendary uh, radio DJ named Bob Robbins that, that built the empire that was Kissing 96. And, you know, if it wasn't country music, he didn't play it. You know, it was back in the old days when local radio played local radio. It didn't matter what was being shoved down, you know, the throats by the mainstream world. And so, you know, it's kind of funny because me and, and, Justin Moore and Heath Sanders and, you know, like Joe Nichols. I mean, there's so many of us that kind of grew up in that same area and we all kind of had that same standard of traditional country that we expect to hear. And so I, I think a lot of it definitely is that territory and being that close to Texas and, and, uh, I don't know, we're all stubborn and we like a certain kind and we won't budge away from it. So it's gotta be something about growing up there. Hey, I mean, there's not, I mean, there's just some things where you grow up. I mean, you, you, everyone's got it. <laughs> right, right, right. Now, there, there's no doubt about that. I think Bob had a big influence on all of us. And, you know, obviously getting to listen to that kind of country and kind of being in country music uh, as well. What were some of the artists that made a big impact on you growing up? Uh, you know, my joke is that if you wore a hat in the 90s, yes. <laughs> um you know, I was, there were a couple, there were a couple, you know, there's a few. No, I mean, you know, the biggest, obviously George Strait, and then, you know, Mark Chestnut and Tracy Lawrence and Alan Jackson. And, you know, I, I love Red Aikens, Daryl Singletary. I was a huge fan of, I mean, I, I could go on and on Wade Hayes and on down the list, Clay Walker, all those guys. But I, uh, you know, George Strait was really the main main. I mean, as a kid, if George wouldn't wear it, I wouldn't wear it. I mean, there was people that probably till about I was age nine or ten years old didn't know my name was David. They knew me as George. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I got into high school and this country kind of started going more pop on the mainstream side, I started really digging back and wanted to know who made the guys that made my influences. And so that's when I really got into Merle Haggard and George Jones and, and – you know, I, I took it as far back as, as Lefty Frizzell. You know, once I got back that far, I was like, I think we got the point across. But, you know, I, Keith Whitley as, was a big one that I got into there my senior year. Just, you know, all them guys that I thought did real country music. Well, I mean, I was going to say, is that why you always have the cowboy hat on when you're on stage and not like the hat? For those watching, not the hat that you yeah, got yeah. on right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure it's my, my George Strait influence, but it just – that's what I always wore growing up. I mean, you know, at school, I wasn't allowed to wear it. So as soon as I got home, I had my cowboy hat on. And so, you know, when I moved to Nashville, the first thing they did was take off that hat, take off them Wranglers. And so when I hit the restart button and I moved to Texas, I said, man, I don't know. I'm going to go back to doing who I've always been. And so that's, that's what I did. Well, I was going to say, and, and it's, it's an interesting kind of, you know, journey that you've taken. And it started with that move to Nashville because you went there at, what, yeah. age eight, 19, 18, something yeah, like that? Yeah, 
19. I'd started making trips earlier than that, but I finally made the plunge and moved there then. But yeah, man, it was, it was an awesome experience. You know, I, I, I was a very sheltered, very, very, very sheltered kid. You know, there's no bad people. Everybody's a good person until they prove they're, they're not. And found out the hard way that that's not the reality of life. But, you know, I, how many people can say that they just took a plunge and chased their dream when they're that young and are still doing it to this day? And, and, you know, uh, I learned some hard lessons the hard way, but the reality of it was I got to be around the best writers in the world and I learned how to be a songwriter. I got to be around the best musicians in the world and become a better musician. And, you know, at the end of the day, I uh, I got to be around people that are the best at what they do in the music world and I got to learn from them. And so uh, not every task was learned the way I, I would like to have learned it, but at the end of the day, it made me who I am and it brought me where I am now. But you know, people always say, you know, weren't you terrified at 19? I said, no, I was terrified at dang near 30 years old moving after I'd been there 11 years. When I was when I was 19, I was too young and stupid to even realize what I was doing. I just knew if you want to be a country singer, you got to go to Nashville. So my entire life, that had been the plan, and that's what I did. I was going to say, ignorance is bliss, right? I mean, you, you knew, <laughs> knew nothing else. <laughs> exactly. It was you know, it, it's pretty funny. I, my parents were letting me make the trips there, but they were just hell bent on, you know, you need to have a plan. You can't just pack up and move. And so when I decided I was going to do it, I just announced to them and everybody, I had a weekly show at a little Mexican joint in my hometown that I played at every Tuesday night. And they found out along with everybody else that, by the way, y'all, next week's my last show. I'm going to move to Nashville the next day. <laughs> so, and, uh, I bet you they love that. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the the look and the jaw drop I got was pretty intriguing, but it, it, uh, it seemed to all work out. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it, it was a long journey, but it has worked out. But like you said, you had success there, but then obviously the, I don't want to say horror stories that can come up with the industry, but the bumps in the road that could come with, with the music business happened. And then, like you said, you decided to kind of switch things up, and it was uh, I think you getting together with Trent uh, Wilman uh, was a big impact on a lot of things, right? Oh, that, that was the moment everything changed. You know, I, if I'm going to be completely honest, I probably could have had a lot of success in Nashville. I probably could have been a household name, but I would have had to have done music that I didn't want to do and that I wasn't proud of. And, you know, I did that for a minute. I started having success. I've started having interest at publishers and labels and stuff, but I just – there was a defining moment where I ran into Daryl Singletary on a vacation. And, you know, when somebody you looked up to your entire life as one of your biggest musical influences looks you up and down and says, what in the hell are you doing? It makes you second guess everything. And so that meantime, I'd really start to find out about Texas and I found out about Cody Johnson. And I just, I realized there were people out there doing the kind of music I wanted to do and they were being successful doing it. And so that was kind of the moment when I was like, it's time to get back to my roots. And so luckily I had a, a friend in common with Trent that, that linked us up for a writing session. And one writing session turned about three more and those three more turned into doing a record together. And it was the biggest blessing I could ever had because it was the first time a producer wasn't trying to make me be something I wasn't, you know, it was, yeah, you should do this song. It's not too country. Yes. There should be fiddle here. Yes. There should be still guitar here. You know, at that time, nobody was recording that kind of music. So, I mean, I remember we went in that studio session that day. Nobody wanted to leave, musicians and all. We were just all so excited to be making that kind of country music in Nashville. And so I, uh, I knew I had something special when I saw them light up like that, but I, I started seeing the writing on the wall that I didn't think Nashville was the place to be for it. And so, man, I, I packed up and hit the restart button and 
best decision I ever made. I mean, I was going to say, I've talked to a lot of folks and one of the hardest things for them is to find their sound, you know, with, when I talked to Frank Ray, you know, they wanted to pigeonhole him into, you know, being a Latin country guy and all these like tequila type songs and, (laughs) you know, and then, you know, stuff like that. How important was it for you to find that sound that's your sound and be able to perform it and enjoy it? You know, what's so funny is I never had to find it. It's literally what I came to town wanting to do. And, uh, I guess more than anything, it was the validation of doing that and that people liked it and that I could make a career doing it. That, that was probably more of the the big moment for me. But I, uh, you know, I got so far away from who I was for many, many years. So, you know, the second that first number one happened and just to see things, you know, it just, I remember bawling my eyes out like a little baby. You've heard no for your entire career, your entire life. And you finally do something that works and man, it, it was an awesome feeling. So it's, uh, back to your question, man. It, it, it's just great to know what I always wanted to do works. You know, I, I remember hearing Garth saying some comment about, you know, it's one thing to have a music career, but it's another thing to do it, doing music. You absolutely love, man, I'm doing music. I absolutely love. And I may not ever sell out an arena and that's fine with me. If I, if I can make this kind of music my entire life and make a career out of it, you ain't ever hear a complaint from me. Well, it's 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 like uh, when people say they they don't really have a job; they just they, they, it's a, it's a fun hobby or whatever you know. However yeah. they look at it, it's like it's not yeah. work; it's it's something I enjoy. And that's I feel like that's what you're you're saying is this is something you're actually having fun doing, and Absolutely. other people are enjoying it too. Now, don't get me wrong; it's work. It's a, the business side <laughs> makes you want to rip your hair out and cuss and just second guess everything. But when that when that song comes to life and you get on stage and you see somebody singing to you, that's the moment it's all worth it. And and like you said, you moved back down down to Texas. Obviously, hindsight, perfect move, the best thing you could have asked for. But like right. you said, at the time, though, that was, in a sense, a risk to kind of move away from Nashville and kind of do your own thing. It was. You know, I mean, even Trent couldn't understand what I was doing. You know, even Trent was like, man, you got this great record. I, why would you want to go down there? It's so oversaturated. I said, because I've been here for 11 years being told no. I want to go somewhere where I have a chance to be told yes. And. You know, it, it's it's been a fun ride. Life has come fast in these five years, but it's been worth every bit of it. Well, I was going to say, I mean, obviously Texas loves music, though. I mean, there's a hell of a <laughs> music scene down there. I mean, what's it, it be, been like to be part of that? Where, like you said, you were hearing guys like Cody Johnson and others that are putting out stuff that you like, and it's clearly a place that's embraced you and your sound. It is. You know, it's funny. I get down here and then kind of the rock sound takes over. And what I do is kind of put a little bit on the back burner. So I feel like I'm going through 2.0 on it. But, you know, no matter what, people still love this music. And the fan base here is just, I don't want to call it insane because that sounds like a, a bad thing. But they are. They're insane. They, If they buy into you at any point in their life, they are a fan for life. They're going to come to the shows for life. They literally... They'll hear you one night, hear one song, and run straight to the merch table to buy something just because they know that you need the support. It, it's it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, me being in Nashville, I'm used to the rooms where people are spending more time talking to each other than listening to you. And so, man, when we uh, when we go out of state sometimes, my guys are like, what's going on? This, this is weird. And I'm like, man, we're just spoiled by Texas. That's the way it is here at home. But it's uh, – it's how every music scene should be. I guess that's the way. So they, they've set the bar and the standard of what it should be like when you go out and play music. Well, I was going to say, I think on a Monday night, Tuesday night, no matter where you're at, uh, if they, there's a band playing, there's going to be people there and they're, 
they'll be out on the dance floor or they'll be, you know, singing along. And I think that's pretty cool. Well, I mean, until you get to the point where you're selling out the huge venues, I mean, every place you play is a barbecue restaurant by day or taco joint during the day and a venue by night. And so it's just every corner you go, there's somewhere to play music. You know I mean? It it reminds me of Broadway in Nashville where there's a bar every five feet. Well, here it's that same way. It's just, it ain't one street. It's just spread out across the whole state. Maybe five miles. <laughs> yeah, few few mile radius miles there, but uh. And you know, obviously, like I said at the beginning, uh, you got a brand new song out, "Winning Rum." Uh, it's a fun song. You know what? What made you want to write that one and put that one out? You know, that's one of them kind of clever titles I'd had in my phone forever and ever and ever, and just never felt like it was the right time to write it. And uh, I got in the the room that day with Jay Brunswick and Carlton Anderson, who I've written a lot of my songs with some of my number ones with, and I don't know, it just seemed like the day to finally write that sucker. And so we wrote it and it was kind of more Kenny Chesney beach vibe, that kind of thing. It was a cool song, not necessarily what I do. And so when we came time to start tracking for the rest of this record, I brought it up to my, my co-producer and my engineer with me. And I was like, is there something to this? And he goes, it is, but he goes, but something about it's just rubbed me wrong. And so, we had rolled the song out. We weren't going to cut it because we didn't feel like it was a David Adam Burns song. And all of a sudden, that next morning, Bart wakes up and he goes, wait a minute, what if we turn that into a country shuffle and just honky-tonk it and do it new? Well, there it was. <laughs> then the song came to life. We, we put fiddle and steel guitar on it and made a honky-tonk song out of it. And ta-da, there it was. And so it came out cool. I knew it was a summer fun vibe. And so I thought, you know, here in, in July, I guess, is when we put it out. I thought that was just perfect timing for it. And, so far, it's been good to us. Well, and it's a, a little different follow-up than I, I think, you know, maybe one of some of your other songs that you put out, uh, especially like She Don't, which, mm-hmm. you know, I know it wasn't written about your fiancé, but I believe you, <laughs> when talking about it, you were like, man, wanna, this is just her. And it yeah. was like, you know, just meant destiny, right? <laughs> it was, you know, it was funny. I, I remember going back to that Neon Town record that I did with Trent, and I remember we were going through song after song and he's just grinning ear to ear about, you know, I had 11 years worth of songs I'd never recorded. So, you know, it was, we had a pile a mile wide, you know, and, uh, I remember Trent just stopped middle of it, got the serious look on his face and he goes, I bet you got a lot of dudes at your shows. And I was like, what in the heck does that mean? And he said, you ain't got any love songs, man. And I was like, I ain't had a single reason to write one. And ironically, a week or two after that, we wrote that song it just didn't fit the neon town project. And honestly, the demo when we wrote, it was pretty bro country. That's a part of the reason why I never liked the song. I just, I never, I just wasn't what I did, you you know, it wasn't you. (laughs) And you fast forward, you know, five, six years later. And now I know what I need to do to make a song that I feel is a little too pop. Well, let's just throw fiddle and steel all over it and twang it up. And I, uh, just got thinking about Amanda and it just, I was like, man, it's time. It's a perfect time to do that song. And so went out and shot that video, like you said, at the same place that we're going to get married at. And so it was just, it was a cool moment. It was cool to kind of give her a little something, you know, she supports me more than, than any woman ever should support this career. And so I thought if nothing else, man, it was a nice little uh, gesture for her. Well, and I was going to say, if you haven't yet, a good shirt idea, twang it up with a steel, steel guitar and a fiddle on there, you need to make one if you don't. <laughs> well, we got something. We got one right now that says, if you don't like country music, you're wrong. But I think that might be the next step towards that. You know, because, I mean, it seems like there's a, a smidge of, of, of recipe there that, that tends to work <laughs> out for you. And, 
you know, when when you're obviously coming from how you want to write songs and things like that, not doing kind of what you did early on in your career, what's your writing process like? Obviously, I know you got some notes on your phone and probably a lot, a lot of them, but what's yep. that process like for you? You know, for me, it's all about a good idea. Uh, you know, some people can start with a melody. Some people can just start writing and have no direction where they're going. But for me, like, I'm, I'm very... I want to know what the hook's going to be. I want to know what the overall twist, you know, is there something unique about this song that makes it, you know, stand out? Because, you know, once you've written enough songs, you don't need another one that you're just going to throw in the back of a catalog and never look again. So I, I, I like to know that there's a good idea that's worth chasing and then kind of map out what the storyline's going to be and then find a melody and then let the words write itself. And it doesn't always work out that way, but that's usually the formula. Well, I was going to say, sometimes you got to get the, the not great ones out so you can get to the great ones, right? <laughs> well, there was plenty of those. I, ho- I hope we're past that quota. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and too, are you like, obviously, you know, growing up on, on the country that you did and then going further back into, you know, the 70s, 80s, maybe even to the, the 60s a, a little bit, clearly you like to be a storyteller, you know, and, and is that kind of where, whether it's experiences or ideas, that's what you're hoping to get out there and have people feel the song? Absolutely. You know, uh, you know, I'm not going to pretend that I've had some super hard life. You know, I had a family that was very good to me. I mean, the, the hardest part of my life has been the music business and the, some of the stuff that's come along with it, which don't get me wrong. I wouldn't wish some of this stuff on my worst enemies. But, you know, I, I think authenticity comes from stuff that you've lived and can relate to. And that's why, you know, I, I've got some really, really great songs that were fun to write, but I don't relate to them. And you'll probably never hear me record them. But, you know, it's just... If I went through it, somebody's went through it, and that could be good, it could be bad, it could be love, it could be a breakup, it could be beer drinking, it could be anything. But, you know, if I've lived it, somebody's had to have lived it. If they can relate to it, then I'm going to try to deliver it to them the best I can that they can feel that song. And then, obviously, like I said, you know, when uh, Rum is out, um, any other new music coming out that you can say? I don't want to get you in trouble with your team. Yeah, yeah. Some of them can be a little, you know... Don't say too yeah. much. <laughs> no, man. We're you know the good thing is with my team, I'm kind of the leader of the pack, and I ain't good at secrets. So, um, you know, we continued like we did on the Keep Up with the Cowgirl record, where we're dropping a new song every single month that leads to an album release. So we actually just have uh, we got the number one song on radio in Texas right now with Drinking Games, and obviously we've had some digital releases since then, which is Win and Run. But the next one is going to be the next radio single. It's going to come out in about three weeks. So I know we'll be. I think we're going to let us get this number one out of the way this week, and then we'll start talking about it. But um, we'll release a couple more of those digitals, and then we've got a whole entire record that we're going to get ready to get behind here in the fall. So I, I think October is kind of what we're looking at after the wedding and <laughs> get that out of the way so I can not make her mad. But uh, it's looking like probably late October, maybe early November, that we'll have an entire record coming out. You mean she doesn't want you doing like a radio interview in the morning and then walking down the aisle in the, in the evening? I, yeah, I think it's more the honeymoon and the prep that we're worried about. I, you know, but we'll, uh, you know, I'm gonna try to make sure she, me, and her, the the focus of that day and not getting distracted because Lord knows the the music business. Every time you think you got a minute off, something something gets your attention. You got to deal with. So. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and it's interesting too to hear you talk about uh, you know how you're releasing stuff because you know nowadays it's kind of like you're back in the 50s and 60s. You got a single and that's kind of all you you know you put something out and that's how people play it and. You know, you, you actually are putting out radio singles and having success. Uh, what's that like to kind of have almost an old school flair to to, the, to everything? I, you know, 
it's the music industry always changes and you got to roll with it. You know, the method I'm doing right now may not work next year, but for some reason I've cracked the code for the time being and I'm just running with it. But, um, you know, the reality is I had one record come out in those 11 years that I was in Nashville. I mean, I guess you can count that little EP, but there's so many songs that I wrote in that time frame that I never got to put out. And so for me, it's just speed rushing all these songs out, you know, between stuff I'm writing brand new and a lot of the songs that I've always wanted to release. It's just, I'm finally getting a chance to make all that music be heard. So, you know, hopefully that well don't run dry. I might should be slowing down a little bit because obviously I can't write 24 seven as life gets busier. But, uh, you know, for me, it's just, it's getting all those songs I always believed in out. And so as long as I can keep doing that, I'm gonna keep rolling with it. Well, and clearly you've had some success. I mean, is it eight straight number ones down in Texas? Uh, this one's two? number nine right here. So we're, number we're nine, nine so. as of this week. Well, and I was going to say, is there any like pressure? Because are, are you nine for nine at the moment? Yeah. Or is this like a no hitter jinx? You know what I mean? Like, I hope I didn't. I, do it. <laughs> man, you know, every time I just go, I hope I can keep this up. But, you know, I mean, my bragging point is I'm the only artist in the history of this Texas chart to have every song ever go number one. And so. You know, is there pressure to do it again? Yeah, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm just going to I'm going to keep doing what I do. If it doesn't work, then that'll be my sign that I need to to consider changing something up and I'm not a big fan of change, so I'm just going to keep rolling with it until that happens. Well, and, and like you said, you've got some new life experiences about to happen. You get you're getting married, you got you you have animals on the farm. I mean, you know, it sounds like yeah, a whole a whole new things to to write about, and obviously you got the wedding, honeymoon coming up, album. What else can folks expect from you in twenty twenty three, and then maybe even on to twenty twenty four? You know, just more of what we're doing. You know, the reality is, yeah, we're, we're we're growing every single day, every single show, every single song, but we still got a long ways to go. So it's just trying to spread that word, get out there. You know, I would love to be a part of one a major tour at some point, you know, something we can really get out there and be in front of a lot more people at once. But, uh, you know, I, I'm a, obviously there, there's the end goal that you want, which is selling out arenas and being the next George Strait. But I'm, I'm fully aware that you got to be realistic and make ones that, that are in reach. So right now in reach is that 10th number one and, and getting the next song to do even better at streaming and to, you know, I don't know if another record deal's in place, you know, but I mean, I would love to have one if it makes sense. But at the end of the day, I just want to grow this thing, and get more and more fans. And so every every move we're doing is doing that. So as long as that's happening, we're, we're in business. Well, and, and like you said, you know, obviously you've had a ton of success in Texas and probably, you know, a smidge beyond on the borders there. But how important is it to grow beyond that and be able to have that fan base that, that no matter where you're at there, they're, they're wild and crazy and lo- loving everything you're putting out? Oh, it's very important. I mean, you know, if you look at a lot of the stations that are on this Texas music chart, a lot of them are out of state. They're not all in here. And so, uh, you know, you want to broaden that reach and get to where you can tour all over as much as you can and grow this thing nationwide. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's like I've always said, I've already sacrificed my sound once. I'm not doing that again. So I will take traditional real country music as far as it'll let me go. And if that's all 50 states and other countries involved. Cool. If it sticks with just Texas, cool too. So, I, I think it'll take you a, a few places for, for sure. Cause it's a, it's a good sound and dude, you're putting out some, some good music and, and David, I appreciate you. you hopping on and having a slightly less strong drink than I am, but I drink nonetheless. 
<laughs> well, it, it was the fiance's birthday all weekend, so I, I'm definitely you may be playing catch up with me. So, but uh, no, man, I, I appreciate you having me, brother. It's good chatting with you, and hopefully, we'll do it again soon. Find more from Hops and Spirits at hopspirits.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.